Welcome to the Homestead Life Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph. Let's get growing. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Homestead Life with your host, Joseph. And today with me, I have Heather Thielen. Did I say that right? Correct. Uh-huh. She is owner of a shop out in California, and I happened across her article and loved what I read about what they're doing out there. And I wanted to give her a chance to come on, tell a little bit about her, her business, and, and what they're doing. So, Heather, without further ado, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Joseph. Um, yeah, our family started uh, a little homesteading supply store uh, uh, over 20 years ago. And a feed store that had been here for a lot longer than that. It's over 100 years old. Um, and we kind of got into that in an odd way. Um, we made a list of all the things that we wanted to do together. My dad wanted to do hardware. I wanted to do animal husbandry. Um, my mom wanted to do canning and uh, uh, sewing and those kinds of things. Um, and we put it all together and covered it under a uh, country store. Um, and as we developed that and started working with more and more of our customers, we realized that um, some of the things I was raised with, growing our own food, canning our own food, making our own things, um, was not the norm anymore. And had those skills had been lost. And so we kind of took it as a mission to help people that were interested to regain those skills, to connect people that either were doing that or wanted to teach that um, to people that were interested in it, and which is awesome. Um, and that was very successful. I mean, we developed a whole uh, cheese making uh, uh, line of classes. We had different teachers come in, do different versions. We did uh, different kinds of cheeses. We used goat's milk and cow milk and um, sheep's milk, um, trying different things. Um, and then of course the pandemic hit. And we saw what you so um, aptly call food deserts arise in the most odd locations. Um, people couldn't get or were afraid they wouldn't be able to get food that they wanted. We also saw uh, people really interested in gardening and had time to do things like raise a home flock or plant a garden and actually take care of it and saw the advantages of that, that that has been lost, that people just haven't done for so long. So we really um, felt like that was an opportunity for us to help and to educate and to work with people. Um, and that has been really, really good for us. That's, that's so awesome. I've been, I've been screaming gardening for a year now. Um, I, I put out a, uh, a, a ebook last May and it, it, it is geared towards someone who has never touched dirt in their life. Like it's the bare minimum to get started. Um, so yeah, that, that's what attracted to me, me to y'all when I read the article was, was how much y'all were doing in the education sector. And um, I had a, I interviewed a guest two days ago. She's from Jamaica and she is uh, working in the urban community, trying to get the interest of backyard gardening in that area. So um, that's awesome. Um, so th there's, I, I see it coming out more and more, especially with COVID. Um, I'm big on Twitter. 
Um, I do a lot on Twitter, and, and that's where I've gained most of my following at, talking about gardening and the need for self-sufficiency. Yeah, I, I like the idea that people don't feel like they have to do everything themselves, but that they can do a small thing. So it could be as small as uh, two tomato plants and a couple of chickens on a porch in an apartment, uh, and you're providing some of your own food. And let's say you grew zucchinis and you had a whole bunch of zucchinis, but your friend down the stairs bakes bread and they have extra bread. So I really was excited about being able to connect people that are an expert in one thing and people that are an expert in something else and build community with that. So that's how we solve food deserts. It's not just, hey, I'm going to use my little plot of dirt to grow something. It's I'm going to grow something and then I'm going to share what I have of right. that as, as well. That's awesome. You're, you're, like that. you're the first person that's mentioned that. Um, so a community garden is one thing where everybody comes together on a plot of land and grows, but it's a whole nother ball game. Um, something I've honestly never thought about or mentioned, but um, yeah, those that do this and do this and then everybody coming together to share that. that that's an awesome, awesome thought of uh, how we can really really get through what we're going through right now i don't know how it is in california in south mississippi our, our shelves are still pretty bare in the grocery stores and um I, well we definitely have some things and we have so many small farming uh folks out in california uh, really wonderful family farms and small farms and farmers markets and those are up and running they're limited give you but they're up and running um but I really, even when we have those items, I still want people to understand that they're capable of growing some of their own. They're capable of creating, making, sharing, whether that's gifts, whether that's to serve your neighbors, whether that's to feed your family, that we're capable of creating better food tastier food, <laughs> more healthy food. Um, and you gain, uh, you gain something not only in the consumption of product, but in the creation of the product. Right. So you gain by being out in the sunshine, you gain by putting your toes in dirt. There is, there is being fed in more than one way. And if we can help encourage even a small percentage of people to do that, we're hoping that we can continue that forward. Like I'm starting a 4-H group right now, um, the County of San Diego with um, their uh, juvenile facility. They want those kids to be involved with animals and what better way than teach them a usable skill for farming. Right. So they've decided to do that and we're gonna help them do it. Um, I just feel so strongly that that that's our calling that we need to do that I, I and what better way than do that with kids or people that are stuck at home i agree <laughs> we we um being in the south everything's centered around churches around here so my church um we have a half acre lot next door that the church owns that i've never seen used for anything so um I got the church board are, are considering it and they're going to vote on it next week, but I'm wanting to put a, a greenhouse over there and a garden over there. And I'm in charge of the food pantry at my church anyway, but I hate just giving people canned foods and box foods and processed 
stuff. Well, I mean, but that's that that's what has a shelf life, so that's what is is donated. Right. But um, I'm wanting to bring people in and educate them in the garden and in the greenhouse, and also give them fresh food on top of their, yeah. their of what we already give them. So yeah, uh, yeah. education so important, and doing this from home, people people like me with children, you know, hopefully I'm passing this on to them as well. Right, right. And that's how I learned. I mean, my, my mom's parents were, um, um, they, they were missionaries. And so they, my mom was born in Hawaii, they were, they were missionaries there. And then they were in California for a while. And then then they were in Australia. And because they were so limited with their funds, um, they were gleaners. And I don't, you're familiar with gleaning, right? You go behind um, let's say a potato field and what the machines didn't pick up is still good food that's left. And so okay. they would allow people to come and gather that. Okay. So my, my grandparents were gleaners and they would go to an apple orchard or to a potato field or whatever that was. And so my mom learned then to can that food because you have to not just get the food, but you have to preserve the food to be able to use it long-term. Right. So how do we preserve it? drying, canning, cheese making, um, uh, fermenting, um, freezing, all of those things. Um, and so when I was a kid, my mom made yogurt. We didn't buy yogurt. I mean, I can't tell you how badly I wanted fruit on the bottom, stupid yogurt when I was a kid, but my mom was making fresh, fabulous yogurt with fresh fruit. And I was like, ugh. and now I'm like, what a fantastic education. All of that was, I didn't even realize it. Um, and you know, making our own pickles and making our own butter and all of those things that was normal for me, a pain in the rear end, I thought at the time, but was normal <laughs> for me. I'm so grateful for now. Um, but yeah, that, that's how that happens. I mean, it came from necessity. That's how she was raised. It came from necessity. Um, but now it's even, it's not just necessity, it's beyond that. Um, and you know, I know things are centered around churches and whatnot, but nature feeds our souls. And if we can then feed the soil back, then we can feed our neighbors. It's truly all connected. Right. And that's part of our calling in this is how do we connect our neighbors? How do we connect to our earth? How do we protect that and make it healthy going forward for all of us? Um, and, and I'm so grateful to have some of that education and be able to share it like I love doing a canning class. Like it's just the best thing in the world for someone to go, that's so easy. Why is that so easy? Why aren't we already doing that? I mean, I made a giant batch of applesauce. Everybody takes home applesauce and it's just as simple as can possibly be. Right. And people don't understand that. It's just fun. It's fun. And it tastes better. It always tastes better. (laughs) Because every year at Christmas we give out, uh, um, apple butters and pumpkin butters and jams and jellies that we made in the kitchen like it's like the first year we ever did it several years ago i was like oh people's gonna hate this they're gonna think we're cheap right and my wife's like no this is what we're doing and uh so now like come as christmas is coming everybody's like hey are you are you doing are you doing your pumpkin butter this year you know now it's a yes it's something they want and and it's so simple to make it it really is and and you know pumpkin butter is not a good that's not a good example of something that lasts a long time, but the apple butters and the jams and jellies, and you know, people can store that up in the pantry. Um, 
Yeah. But, but yeah, what you were saying is one thing I preach is harmony with nature. You know, if we take care of the planet, the planet takes care of us. And, exactly. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I, I'm not organically certified, but I, I homestead organically. And um, yeah. I don't cut down trees. I don't clear anything. I work around what's already on my property. Um, mm -hmm. You come out here. My dad hates it. I don't have the nice trimmed yard uh, for everybody to uh, to play in. Like the grass is tall over here. The 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 dog fennel is growing high over there, and uh, but but it's more natural. You know, I have more birds and I have more pollinators coming in. Um, you know, I have two beehives out in the front yard that kind of just do their their thing out there, and um, so it's uh you know it, it's very important to. to in my opinion, to work in harmony with, with the environment around you. And because when you fight against right. it, you just, you just lose. And uh, we that, all was, lose. That, that was my big, biggest lesson. I've been doing this for about 10 years and the first two years I struggled, but I fought against nature. Like I wanted to, my way, I wanted to do this to happen this way. And after about two years, yeah. I figured out, you know what, this isn't working very well. And, um, you learn what things do work and go forward. I mean, that's the heart of homesteading, honestly, right? Is is you find which things work and you continue that and you discontinue the things that didn't work and try something else. It 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 really is back to the basics and it's such a good education for everyone. Um, and and I like being a center. It's like we have three stores now, so we serve all of San Diego County. Um, we needed to expand that to be able to service the community better. And I love being able to help somebody who comes in and goes, oh, I wanted to um, start having bees in my backyard. So you're saying your beehives. And I'm like, great. We have a beehive class coming up. We'll set you up with Bee Man Dan. He'll send you a rescued hive. We'll get you set up. It means it's all connected. And it's so gosh darn satisfying to get your first harvest of honey to oh, absolutely. Uh, oh my gosh it's the best i, I remember my best. i remember my first one i like i still show videos to people <laughs> it's so great it's so so good um and i'm really developing my herb garden and trying to use and learn from the teachers that we have available locally um the herbs that are here that grow naturally and which things that I can um, grow here well, because we're hot and dry. So, you know, water's our big thing. Right. Um, to, to really um, feed, not feed just my family with food, but to feed us with our, with our own medicines that we're making and those things too, you know, just taking it one step further. Um, I'm so grateful that people like you are out here teaching and making uh, people aware and giving them resources to find answers like, hey, I've got a, um, a fiber goat and I got all this great fiber. Now what do I do? Well, <laughs> you know, then the next step is, okay, well, let's talk about fiber processing and then let's talk about fiber arts and how does that go? We feel like all of those homesteading skills are related and connect. Um, and if we can just help people, which is what you're doing. Thank you for doing it. <laughs> thank, thank you for doing what you're doing. Um... No, that's, um, I, I've noticed over the past year, and, and I guess it's COVID related, but more and more people have become interested in it. It was a, a year ago, I was not doing what I'm doing now. Um, mm -hmm. My wife and I have a, a candle and soap 
store that it's all handmade old-fashioned soap and we've we've sold online for three four years now and we will be opening our first physical location hopefully in the next couple of months and um oh. I'm hoping to do something like what you're doing, actually bringing people in and teaching them, teaching them how to make their soap, uh, hand pouring candles. But I, but I want to go further and, and teach people things that we don't actually sell, but but to be a center of, of education for that. But um, I really hope you do that. And if you need any help or resources, please don't I, don't hesitate. <laughs> I, I appreciate that greatly. You know, I've, I've I've turned so many people on the homemade soap and. Uh, and I'm like, you know, you don't even have to buy it from me. Just, just use that. It's so much better for your, for your body. And um, I did a long and for thread. Our oh yeah. yeah. And, I, and I did a long thing on Twitter the other day. Or, or, well, that's about a month ago, a long thread showing the different chemicals that's in the soap you buy at the grocery store and how they're labeled by the FDA and what the side effects of these chemicals are in and my sales went up tremendously and that wasn't really my point of it, but I mean, I was thankful for it, but you know, I woke a lot of people up going, you know, what, what am I rubbing on my body? And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I come out of a very unhealthy lifestyle and, um, I, I was sick and my wife was sick and she ended up with Crohn's disease. And, um, uh, mm. when we switched to a healthier homesteading lifestyle, you know, she doesn't even take Crohn's medicine anymore. And, wow. and and a lot of my health issues has cleared up and and so you know we 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 use ourselves as examples for how much of a how, how bad chemistry can be in in the american product and and how good switching to a natural lifestyle can be but um yeah. so before we I talk agree. you you mentioned the uh the home flock that's one of your <gasps> yes Actually, right now is perfect timing to talk about this. Um, everybody went crazy with chickens when um, people were afraid they wouldn't be able to get food. So I understand that that happened for basically all of 2020, but 2021 we're going into and we're getting ready for our big peep event. We call it the peep show. I know a little off color, but funny. Um, <laughs> And, and we're doing it differently this year. It generally is our single biggest day of the year. We'll have over 120 varieties of baby poultry available all at one time. Oh, so wow. when you want to start a home flock, this is a fun time to do it because you can really get a lot of variety. Um, but the coolest, I mean, home flock is a wonderful, wonderful way to, it's kind of like the gateway drug into homesteading. So gardening and chickens, number one, they go together. And number two, it kind of gets you thinking, oh, if I could do this, maybe I could do that. Um, and we love the concept of closed systems. So chickens are this beautiful God-given garbage disposal. They use a lot of our, chick our kitchen waste, our garden waste. Um, they provide us with wonderful fertilizer um, and they poop breakfast. I mean, what pet <laughs> do you not want that poops breakfast? Besides that they're hilarious, they're super funny. Um, so I, I really, people that get going in it generally really love it. Um, we like to start people off conservatively um, because chicken math is a real thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was gonna do three chickens, but now I have 25 chickens. This happens very <laughs> regularly. <laughs> you talk to my wife. <laughs> aha, aha, see, aha, yeah. 
um, it's a, it, it is really fun, but we want to start people really um, uh, making sure that they're predator proof, making sure that they're preventing mites and lice because it's healthier if we can prevent it than if we have to take care of it later. Um, making sure that they're utilizing good diets um, and, and having a good time with it, that they're actually enjoying this process. Um, and when they get their first eggs, like I'm so excited for them. I send little happy egg day, you know, emails because it really is a very exciting, fun uh, beginning way to get into homesteading and raising some of your own food in a very simple but enjoyable way. Yeah, we have, uh, we started years ago with five. We bought five chickens. <laughs> and uh, we had five chickens for like the first year and a half. And then uh, my wife started adopting chickens. Like somebody would tell ah. her, hey, I got two birds I don't want. Will you take them? So we'd end up with seven chickens and we ended up with 10 chickens. I think now we have a, a flock of about 30 birds out there. And uh, varying right. ages. Some of them don't even lay anymore. They're just out there doing their thing. And, uh, we call those girls in henopause. <laughs> I gotta write that down. Uh, though we, uh, so my chicken runs expanded from a small area to, you know, I think it's 3,500, 4,000 square feet now. And uh, you, it, gets, uh -huh. it gets expensive the bigger you get because we, we have three layers yeah. of, we have three layers of fencing plus what's on top because we have a chicken hawk. That's Problem. what you have to so, do. I mean, we have netting across the top. We have the fence dug down underneath. We have footings all the way around. Everything is half is a, a half to quarter inch, so it all has to be small. Yep. Um, in order to really be predator proof, all of those little and our predators are going to be different here than what you have. But we're right. all going to be fighting against hawks and, and, uh, and opossums and, and raccoons, yeah. right? And we got coyotes up one side and down the other, and we have got bobcats, and we also have weasels out here that are super destructive. I do so, not have a weasel problem. <laughs> you are lucky because those are <laughs> rotten. They don't even take them and eat them like a coyote does. They just kill them in the coop. It's awful, oh. awful, awful, awful. Um, so yeah, I mean, we want to make sure that it, preparing for chick days or for the peep show, the preparation is I'm going to get everything ready. I'm going to be totally prepared. I'm going to have everything ready to go so that I have a successful experience and utilizing folks like us or other homestead supplies, really good farm stores, farm and feed stores that are doing things right can help people have a really successful experience with that. So i hopeful and I encourage people if they're even thinking about doing it let us help you get it going for sure it's gonna be so much fun I love the beef show it's like totally my favorite and don't let your wife adopt birds well yeah my thing is then I wanted pheasants because they're so cool and I wanted chuckers and my husband's like I don't think we can make the chicken yard bigger and I'm like but maybe we could just have another yard for the peacocks and he's like oh i can just see him shaking his head going <laughs> what am i going to create now the, but the that's what you do the very first animal we ever had was quail Ooh, and, they were, yes. and they were they were cool but i will never have quail again <laughs> they but, uh, are uh interesting aren't they did you they, have the problems with too many males and not enough females yes mm -hmm. it, it seems like 80 percent of the eggs that has for male I mean, just over, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, we had ducks. Um, 
we have two ponds on the property. So we had ducks Ooh. and we've had geese and it seems like the foxes always eventually get them no matter what we try to do. It's always a battle with the foxes wow. and and uh so we we yeah, stay... have foxes usually, so you've got a different one. Yeah. So it, it, that's that's my weasel. Yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. They'll, they'll get into the chicken coop and, and we have a uh we actually have a wild flock of chickens out here. Like uh, we've created over the years a wild population of chickens. Like escapees? Yeah, so it's funny. Um it started several years ago that some of the chickens kept getting out and like we could not figure out how they were getting out the vast majority stayed in and it wasn't our normal because like we, we have a lot of red island reds and barred rocks mm -hmm. so those are our favorite breeds i don't know what these are i think somebody gave them to my wife and um wouldn't stay in there so i was like you know what they roost in the trees at night i threw some feed out for them every morning and i was like we'll see how long they last and it was five years ago and, and every 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 spring, you know, here comes a hen with a bunch of chicks come wandering out of the woods. And you can go into the woods in the evening when the sun's setting. There's 20 chickens up in the trees. And, and I don't feed them anymore. I don't. They they just. They do their thing. Completely, they're completely foraging. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, they're, they're completely wild. And you know what? I, I don't have fleas on my animals. I don't have ticks on my animals. Uh, the fire ants are completely gone out of the yard. Like you come out here any time of day, and and there there there's chickens wandering the yard somewhere, and uh, they're smart. If the eagles or the hawks start flying over, like you'll see them, they'll take off to the wood line, and like they they've gone completely feral. And we're we're fine with each other. They they do their thing. You know, I don't bother them. They get they get to keep their yeah. eggs, hatch them in the woods, and um, right. it, it's a uh, it's kind of cool. So yeah, that, that's my wild. Yeah, thing. and that little that little bit of protection, both from your bugs and whatnot and distracting from your other birds, um, you, they're, they're, you, they're serving you, you're serving them in a symbiotic relationship that's not costing anybody anything, yeah, which is. And, and I think the only reason I'm able to have them and they're able to be as successful as they are, it goes back to how I don't change anything on my property. Like there's woods over here, there's woods over here, there's a patch of woods in the middle of my yard that's really a pain in the rear. But I work around it and, and use them, and, and uh, I think that's yeah. why I think that's why they're so successful. That's awesome. So, did you eat duck eggs when you had them? I'm sorry. The duck eggs? Did you use them when you had them? Huh. No. So, if you have listeners that want to get into ducks, number one, I'm not necessarily a fan of ducks because they're smelly, in my opinion. But if you have a pond or have the availability for that, duck eggs are by far the best for baking. So I have got customers that have ducks and I barter with them and get myself some duck eggs. If you need to make a cake, I'm telling you, duck eggs are the bomb. They're so awesome. Way more fluffy. It's awesome. Yeah, we had our ducks for uh, garden pest management purposes mm -hmm. until they started eating our garden. Yeah, they'll do that. You have to limit them. I know. And people don't want to limit them, but you kind of have to. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, the ducks were fine. They, I built, because I have a half acre pond in the front. So what we ended up doing was building duck houses on the pond to give them somewhere safe to go at night. So they never, yeah. came, they never came up in the yard. They just, they became ornamental at that point. Yeah. Know, we, we would go down there and we'd feed them by the duck houses and, and just 
it just existed and uh well at least you don't have the duck stinky up by the house then no no see we did and i learned quickly i was because we used to let them out in the morning and they would go down to the ponds and then they'd come back up in the evening to the duck lot they just took mm -hmm. them, they just took themselves and i was like you know what i'm building houses down by the pond and that's that's where yeah. they stayed but, much uh, smarter <laughs> it was a good choice <laughs> so you so i want to ask you your expertise on something um sure somebody asked me about this two days ago and i have no experience in this fermenting their chicken feed oh yes yes okay so i have a couple of things number one i have my personal opinion about it number two i have uh experience with my customers that are being successful at it and number three there's a couple of good resources i can get you towards so okay. we'll start with my personal opinion is if you want to do that process that you make sure that you're doing it wisely and following a schedule and cleaning all of the parts of everything to make sure we're limiting um, the wrong kind of bacteria. What are the advantages to it? Well, fermenting is good. Fermenting is good for us. We know sauerkraut's good for us. We know those things are good for our biomes um, and they change the protein availability. And so it's a good thing. Um, the second thing is I've had customers be very successful with it and I've had customers not be successful with it. The people that were very successful were being strict with it. They have it in for a certain number of days. It's usually three days. Um, they always use the same kind of feed, usually one of the scratch and peck or one like that that's a whole seed to do their fermenting. Um, and they sterilize their jars in between. So they only do a small amount what they're going to use. Okay. And they don't use it as a total diet for the bird. They use it as an addition to or supplementation for it. Okay. So that's my opinion about it. And Scratch and Peck has a whole little video on it on their website. Um, they recommend it. Uh, and they do a good job because of the way they make their feed. I, I carry lots of different feeds. I think 200 different chicken food skews, more than. Um, but that one for fermenting, I recommend that one. Okay, I'm going to, uh, I'll either pass it along to him or force him to listen to this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. It's fun. So is there anything that you do or you know of that is maybe out of the ordinary for most homesteaders or most home gardeners or just tips or tricks, something that might make something a little easier? Sure. Okay. Um, well, when it comes to chicken stuff, we talked about preparation. I think that's the absolute key to being successful with chickens. Um, and I think, believe it or I don't really garden people understand this, but people that are new to it may not, that preparation for your garden is the same thing. So my mom's a master composter. So she's always talking about how much green versus how much brown versus how much moisture to get our soil right. Um, the thing that people may not know, one of the best um, fertilizers for your soil, and you can get it organically, um, is alfalfa pellets. So if you go get like organic um, fertilizer that's super expensive, it's almost all ground up alfalfa. So if you just get like regular old alfalfa pellets and mix it into your soil when you're prepping for your next year's garden. It's a slow release natural um, uh, feeder 
because of all the extra nitrogen in there to your garden soil. Um, the other thing that we do out here, and I don't know if it works for you guys or, or if you have the same pests and problems that we have, um, we have insane problems with gophers and ground squirrels. And so we really, my mom and I are super big proponents of container gardening. And we use the big galvanized tanks because that's easy for me. Um, we run water to each one individually. We do soaker hoses because again, water's a deal for us. Um, and we prep all the soil in that and I mix in my chicken poop and I mix in my rabbit poop and we mix in my alfalfa every year to prep that soil up. Um, but container gardening has been the most productive, fantastic answer to what was my black thumb. I can, I swear I can grow almost anything now since we started doing these tank gardens. Um, and I mix them up and we do winter gardens in them and summer gardens in them. Uh, they are by far my, my biggest success story is um, good soil in container gardens. <laughs> I love that because I love container gardening. Oh, it's the best. And you don't have to bend over as far. I mean, it's like all the good things. I have I have sandy acidic soil. I can grow okra and I can grow sunflowers and that's about the extent of what we'll grow here. So Oh, we can fix that. We can yeah, fix the, it, uh, right? Well, I, I do have a a six hundred square foot area that I've been building over the past eight years. So I have one area of the yard that's that's nice. That, that's my main grow area. This year we're expanding out into new areas and it's going to be another process. So that, which actually leads me into um, another question for you. We are experimenting with permaculture in the areas nice. we're expanding to. Um, I've seen a lot of interest in permaculture here lately. Um, I think the thing that catches most people off guard is the amount of years it takes to, to build to permaculture and, food forest and, and that whole guy around but uh right. so that, that's been which, a, which version are you going to do are you going to do logs how are you going to start your permaculture uh we're doing wood chips I, I okay. have i have a ton of access to to wood chips so because i'm in hurricane country so uh every year the the power companies come around and trim all the trees off of the power lines and everything and they're always yep. looking for a place to dump wood chips so nice yeah come come they'll start in april cutting the, the 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 limbs back from the power lines and come may i will have a a mountain of wood chips in my front yard now that's so great i i like to do that um you know the soil is is what feeds us all right so the good soil is what feeds everything um and when i do my containers i layer in newspaper um wood chips i mean it started with gravel in the bottom um and and then we turn the top of that every year um and then we rotate the crops too uh with in the in the tanks but that seems to have worked really well for us and we kind of fell into it kind of on accident and then somebody's like oh you're kind of doing permaculture and i went oh you're right i better look into that so unfortunately, we don't have enough water to do some of the really great versions of that that I wish we could do because it doesn't break down enough for us. Right. Um, but oh, you guys out there, man, those those big log versions and all the there's so many there's so many great ways to do it. Um, 
I just feel like I want people to go, Ooh, that one interests me. I'm going to try that, you know, and get going with it. Try it. What I mean, I've got people out here that are doing the hay bale gardening and they're growing fantastic gardens of tomatoes and all kinds of things in straw bales. I mean, it's crazy, but totally doable. It doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to take necessarily forever either. Right. I've been interested in, I've been interested to experiment with, with the straw bale gardening before. First time I saw it, I was like, no way. But, but the more I've seen it and researched it, the more interested I am. We are doing um, aquaponics this year. <gasps> Yay! Congratulations. That is big fun. We tried two years ago and we had a storm come through and completely wrecked our entire system, like destroyed the greenhouse that was in and everything. But this year we're giving it another go. So. Ooh, I'm going to have to watch and see how that goes for you. That's I've helped customers do it. I haven't done my own in the place we're living in now, but I love the concept. It's so fantastic. Yep. I started, um, I promised people I was going to document it and I, I didn't. So like I started with a 275 gallon IBC totes. They had vegetable, uh -huh. they had vegetable glycerin in them before they were food safe plastic. So right. I got those, cut them open, washed them out real good. So that's my tank and my grow bed. Okay. Yeah, those tanks. So before we had a big elaborate system with pipes running and then we had we had the uh, ebb and flow system that drained out into a flood bed with the rafts on top and that drained back into the 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 fish tank, which basically we we dug a small pond and put the fish okay. in the ground. Okay. It was like a uh, 15 foot diameter by five foot deep hole that we lined with pond liner and, and that was our we had catfish in there and, and brim in there and, and all kinds of things. Okay. So this year, most so this people year, out here do tilapia, so that's nice to have a little bit of variety too. Yeah, well, I wanted tilapia, but they're invasive in Mississippi, considered an invasive species. So, yeah, I can have them, but I have to get a bunch of screens and filters and this and that, and I have to have a state inspector come out and might thing. not be worth. It. <laughs> yeah, I love the taste of bluegill. So, go with what you got, you know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm helping somebody up in uh, Connecticut get started with aquaponics. And uh, I think they're going to put trout. I think what they said they wanted to put in there because it's a cold water fish. So Do I still have you with me, Heather? All right, I think we're having some technical difficulties here. So Heather owns a company called Hawthorne Country Store. And her her, her website is, if y'all bear with me. It's HawthorneCountryStore.com. So anybody out in the Southern California, San Diego area, I think she is a uh, a whole wealth of knowledge and um, definitely worth contacting, getting in touch with, um, probably learn quite a bit from her and uh, didn't get to touch on all the subjects that we wanted to talk about, but um, 
I think I'm definitely going to have her back on. Um, if y'all have any reactions, get in touch with me. Contact me if you have any questions for her. Very, very knowledgeable. Um, she lives the life. She does the business. So if that being said, we're going to cut this episode short, and I will see you guys later. <laughs>